0: Grab your Bible say this with me. This is God's written living word to me, this is God's word. what he thinks about me. Thinks about me. It, reveals it reveals who God says I am and tells me what God says I can have. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read and thus I am transformed we're in a series on the topic of faith and we've entitled it Great Faith and we've been addressing the overall question why is a series on faith even necessary the writer of Hebrews writes and without faith it's impossible to please him without faith it's impossible to please God God can be pleased there are things that I do that are not pleasing to God I sure want to get better at doing the things that do please him. I know this though that without faith I can't please him. That tells me that everything I do needs to be done in some form or fashion on the basis of and with faith. Last week our big idea and we're going to put it up on the board here was this. Couch potato faith will never enjoy Olympic sized blessings and so you need to download that message and listen to it and catch up please. Today we're going to discuss stepping out in faith. Stepping out in faith. What does that mean? What does it look like to step out in faith? And how do I do it? How can I step out in faith? Let me ask you, have any of you ever done something that required a leap of faith? Let me just hear. Yeah? Like what? Give me something that you did that required you to step out in faith big time. Buy a house. That's a good one. And and it's a huge commitment, a huge decision. All right, ma'am? Quitting a job when you don't have the next one in place yet, all right? And, and all of the, working through all those circumstances that you had to work through to make that decision, knowing that, you know, there's not a paycheck sitting there from the next one yet, okay? Jim? Starting a business. Starting a business always a big leap of faith. Ed? I started a business. You st- started a business 21 years ago. Haven't looked back, and you're more prosperous today than you've ever been in your life. Amen. Amen. Yes, okay, a couple more, Terry. I I said getting married. You said... (laughs) Some of you didn't hear that, and for the tape or the CD or the video, people watching, getting married. And everybody that's married is laughing because they're saying, amen. Now, let me ask this. How many of you have ever looked back at a leap of faith you took with regret? A lot of people have. Now, can you imagine that there's a way to take these steps of faith confidently, knowing that God is directing you and that you will never again have to look back? We're going to find out how to do that this morning. You're going to have to settle something, though. Your life was not designed to be a journey of continual miscues where you stumble into God's plan for you. I don't know how many people live that way. They just sort of stumble into what God wants for them. Miscue after miscue after miscue. And God never designed your life to be that way. Your relationship with Jesus is designed by God to move you in to his purpose by faith. God's presence is always moving us towards His promises. Say that with me. God's presence presence is always moving me me towards towards His promises. So when we allow fear or we allow unbelief to come in instead of bold faith when we're in the midst of taking that step, then it's going to delay the manifestation of those promises in our life. How many of you have ever experienced a delay in something you were trusting God for? Is it possible that when you took that step of faith, you started in faith, but then you looked away, you got your eyes on other things, and you begin to doubt, you begin to fear, and those things begin to quench the faith that you had. Our text for this morning is found in Numbers chapter 13. Turn there with me. Numbers chapter 13. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Numbers chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, and all those men were heads of the people of Israel. The next several verses list for us the twelve men that he sent. And then starting in verse 17 we have the specific instructions that Moses gave to the men as to what they were to spy out and what information they were to bring back. Now let's keep going down. Verse 21 says, and they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob. Now verse 23 we pick up here with them actually making their way back now and they're standing in the presence of Moses and Joshua and the rest of the congregation and they begin sharing their findings. Verse 23 And they came, excuse me, I'm a little early, in verse 23 they're still spying out the land and I want to make a point about what they find verse 23 and they came to the valley of Ishkal and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between two of them they also brought some pomegranates and some figs I find that extremely exciting Not only was this a good land that flowed with milk and with honey, but as a testimony to the kind of promise that they were about to move into, they grab a cluster of grapes, some pomegranates, and some figs to bring back. Now, notice that it says that to carry the grapes they had to attach it to a pole. And get two men to carry it on their shoulders. May I ask you, the last time you bought a cluster of grapes, (laughs) (laughs) did it require a pole? Did you have to get a couple of the uh, King supers? What do they call them nowadays? I want to be politically correct. Baggers? checkers, parking lot attendants, clerks, clerks, helpers, bag clerk, courtesy clerks. Did you get a couple of them to carry the cluster out on the pole? I I want you to listen to me. Historically they have proven that in the warmer climates of that area, individuals have testified for hundreds of years that sometimes they can find grape clusters as big as an infant. At the very least, most of the grapes back then in those areas were about the size of plums. Just very large. So you can imagine that a cluster of grapes to carry that thing The commentaries tell us that it weighed upwards of 45 to 50 pounds for a cluster of grapes. I say to you that the land God is bringing you into is a land of abundance, not barely-get-along street. Amen. We should be tired of Christians living beneath the promise of Almighty God we should be tired of the embarrassment that comes with Christian believers trusting God for an abundant life a good life here now on earth a prosperous life you don't have to be ashamed of a prosperous life you don't you don't need to ask forgiveness or shy away or turn the other direction or make excuses for enjoying good things God was taking them into a land that was full of milk and honey and where the grapes were as big as plums and a cluster weighed 50 pounds. So they bring that back and down in verse, let's start in verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people in in Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land in which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Watch this. However, you might want to underscore that, but, how many of you know we all have big buts? I mean big butts that keep us away from the promise of God. Come on. Yeah. However, okay, it's a great land. It flows with milk and honey. I mean it's everything we could have dreamt of, but the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large and besides we saw the descendants of Anak there. That means the giants spoken of in the first six chapters of Genesis, that there were giants back then who gave birth and birthed people that were monstrously tall, huge warriors. That is what it's referring to here, the descendants of Anak. And he goes on, he lists the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Kudanites and the Shudonites and Icanite and... And then in verse 30, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up. We are, they are stronger." than us. So they brought all of the people of Israel a bad report regarding the land that they had spied out, the land through which we have gone to spy out its land, it devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw, they're of great height, and where there we saw the Nephilim and the sons of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers, it seemed to ourselves, get this King James says, We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. It seemed to ourselves, in other words, they were being ruled by natural reasoning. They saw this incredible promise, but they processed it through natural reasoning. And so it seemed to themselves like they were grasshoppers. I wonder how many grasshopper mentalities we have here this morning. Could it be that a grasshopper mentality has kept you away from the Olympic-sized blessings that God has for you? Here's our big idea for today. You ready? It's on your handout there. Fill it in. If faith isn't required for what you are planning, then your plans fall short of what God has planned for you. Could we say it out loud together? Everyone, ready, read. If faith isn't required for what you're planning, then your plans fall short of what God has planned for you. There's always going to be challenges to stepping out in faith. Here's a couple of the problems. Lack of vision. Fear of the unknown. An unwillingness to step out of your comfort zone. Oh, there's a big one. I have never taken a step of faith that didn't require me to step out of my comfort zone. Some of you are so comfortable with where you're at, even though it's below what God has promised you, that you just, you need to be shaken. I mean, you need a godly friend to just give you a spiritual slap upside your spiritual head and say, Look, there's more. There's a promised land. You can go up. We are well able to overcome it. You are not a grasshopper. Look at the person next to you and say, You are not a grasshopper. <laughs> Some of the other problems that we face we're ruled by our senses. We tend to fix our eyes on the obstacle rather than the promise that's in God's Word. And then of course we always find challenges as well. When stepping out in faith you are always going to face one or more of these next five challenges. First of all, giants. Fortified cities. It might be the old life, it might be old foes, it might be this don't rock the boat, you're comfortable, you're in a good place now, you don't need to push it, you don't need... Unbelief will always build a case based on the natural mind and human resources. One of the reasons that you and I don't step into more of what God has for us is because our natural reasoning has built a case against it. How many of you have ever served on a jury? No, oh, your time's coming. <laughs> How many of you have ever been called in and had to go through the vaudreer, va- va- ra- va- ra- ra- bomb, bombarder <laughs> process? <laughs> where they choose the jurors. OK? So even if you got off of it, you understood through that process, if you got out of it even you understood through that process this is serious and what they're going to do is weigh the evidence of the prosecutor and the defense and then there's going to be a judgment I submit to you that the judge of all the earth has already rendered a judgment you're blessed and all your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished so he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly that's God's judgment But your natural reasoning, your natural resources, what you can see and touch and feel, will always build a case against what God has already stated in his word. And that's why without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we seek him by faith. We come to the promises of his word and we say we are well able to overcome that belongs to me. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I don't care what my five physical senses are saying. It matters not what others around me are saying about it. If God's promised it, I can overcome and move in to that promised land. So we have challenges such as the uncertainty of the natural. I I know that it's uncomfortable to deal with the uncertainty of what you've not encountered before but it's it's part of the reason God gave you faith is to move into areas that you've not encountered before. We encounter circumstances which shout wrong decision Jeff don't do this, don't take this leap of faith wrong decision Jeff. How many of you know that's a challenge when you're facing making a leap of faith. How about this one? Loved ones, close friends, even religious people who are full of doubt and don't share your positive faith-filled attitude. How many of you have ever had a good friend who just didn't share your faith-filled attitude? And through doubt and unbelief and fear, and boy, you need, to, you need to consider, you need to stop and look at this and look at that. And sometimes that's wise counsel, because what we're about to do is foolishness or presumption. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But so many times it's just doubt and fear and unbelief, because they're not in faith regarding that area that God has spoken to you about. And so you need to settle yourself. You need to say, regardless of who in my life tries to tell me that this can't possibly happen for you, I've settled it, God has spoken to me, and this belongs to me, and I'm going after it. And I will not be talked out of it, because I find it as a promise in God's Word. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit has spent time with me, talking to me about it, In his word. So I have promise. And I have revelation. And the fifth one is. An aloneness. In your decision. That really. Dovetails. Into number four. That we just spoke about. Regarding loved ones. You if you're going to live by faith. Must get ready. To make certain decisions. Where you will feel very alone. Sometimes. You will be alone because other family members aren't with you in it. Sometimes you will be alone because other religious leaders aren't with you in it. Sometimes you will be alone because your spouse is not wholly with you in it yet. Now in that relationship, scripturally, the Lord asks us, To not just go ahead, but to stop and to pray and to consider and to go slowly and to garner the agreement of the one that we are married to. So that we can do things in a like-mindedness and in a joint faith together. You are, the Bible says, Peter said, you are joint heirs together of the promise and the gift of life. And so you don't want to just foolishly go ahead without agreement in a marriage, but you need to understand that sometimes you will take a leap of faith and you will be very alone in that effort. Caleb and Joshua, out of 12 different spies, were alone in saying, we are well able. Let's go up. Guys, we can do this. Get that. How about that, Rachel? Two against ten. Out of twelve spies, only two said, we are able. Let's go. But the ten swayed the rest of the congregation. And so all of them then began to mourn and complain And you know what? As a result of their complaining and their mourning and their disobedience and not being willing to go up and take the land, they spent 40 more years doing circles in the wilderness. They were right on the edge of Canaan, right on the edge of what God had promised. And because of their rebellion and their lack of faith and getting into fear and listening to a bad report, they had to do 40 years around in the wilderness not crossing over into Canaan because of this that we're reading right here. How many of you feel like you've been doing some laps? How many of you regret not seizing the moment? Carpe Diem. I love that movie. It's my favorite. Dead Poet Society with Robin Williams. Carpe Diem. Seizing the moment. You've got to seize the moment and you'll regret not doing it because until we learn the lesson God will say take another lap. Take another lap. (laughs) Do you know how long it actually uh, requires to cross that area of the Sinai Desert on foot? Six days. Thirteen if you have to stop for potty breaks. Two weeks and you're across the desert you're in Canaan and it took them over 40 years something's wrong with that do you see why without faith it's impossible to please God do you see why that if faith isn't required for what you're planning then your plans fall short of what God has planned for you now let's talk about foolishness and presumption it is important people think that living by faith requires a blind surrender to a nondescript hope hidden in the unforeseen future to the contrary faith knows exactly what God's word declares it accepts that word as proof of things not seen and it confidently acts on it have you ever had somebody ask you or make the statement what are you going to do just go ahead blindly by blind faith you know what your response should be no this isn't blind faith I know exactly what God's Word says to me about this and I've been praying and I've been studying and I've been listening to the Holy Spirit and he's borne me witness and I am acting on the promise of God's Word I'm lifting God's Word above my natural senses I'm lifting God's Word above my human reasoning It's not blind faith. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance I need. You see faith isn't blind trust. Dream-fulfilling faith is based on a relationship with Jesus that gives his word first place in your decision-making. Acting on the personal direction of the Holy Spirit. A leap of faith would be foolish if you didn't have the Word of God. When you don't have the Word of God on something, when you just haul off and go and you do silly things, presumptuously, thinking that God is with you. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, it is a recount of chapter 13 of Numbers and this whole incident at Kadesh Barnea. It recounts it and in there it actually uses the word presumption because the Lord and Moses through the Lord through Moses is rebuking the people now 40 years later for having missed out on the promise of God and they get all upset and they say well we can do it now praise God we'll just do it now and they grab their arms and they rush out and they try to go to battle and they're defeated soundly they're they're cremated why because the Lord was not with them see he was with them when he was leading them by his spirit and the elder said or Moses and Joshua and Caleb said let's go up he his anointing was there Dear ones, you have to obey God in the moment. You have to be obedient to God when he calls you and tells you to do it. Seize the day. Forty years later they tried to go up and they couldn't because there was no more anointing to do it. And So that's presumption. Whenever you go out and you make decisions, especially leaps of faith into great big things, without the Word and without the anointing or the presence of God where He's speaking to you and making the Word alive personally to you, you are in presumption and possibly foolishness. God's promises require risk by design. They require you to risk almost everything your physical senses can easily approve or manage. Imagine that. All right, so how do we take this step of faith? How do we take the step of faith? What's our big idea for this morning? If faith isn't required for the things that you are planning, say it with me, then your plans fall short of what God has planned for you. To help us with this idea of taking the leap of faith, not based on foolishness or presumption, but absolutely based on the Word and God speaking to you in the moment. I want us to turn out the lights please and Jerry you're going to play something for us. Thank you. they did not portray him just running across after he took the first step. Taking a leap of faith is a big deal. It'll suck the air right out of you, okay? I mean if you step off into sometimes what you have only the Word of God and His sweet presence saying, yes, yes, go, yes you're gonna take that step and there's all sorts of things that you will experience as you take that step that is not doubt that is not unbelief or fear that's oh my god I'm out here where if you don't come through for for me (laughs) right that's okay but Indiana in the movie takes step and did you see what two things were involved number one he had the book number two he heard his father saying "Indy, you have to come on louder you have to believe you have to believe the book trust what you're seeing in the book and then he lays his hand on his heart come on everybody put a hand on your heart take your Bible get it out in front of you okay say this God I believe. I believe that's what you're doing I believe I'll take that step okay let me give you five quick keys to making this step of faith and we'll close number one Expect God's voice in your circumstances every day. Number two, listen. You've got to spend time listening and you'll never be able to hear what he's saying if you're caught up in everything that's going on in this world. All of the many voices that are chattering and giving you advice and all of the many distractions Of our material world. Our busy technological world. You've got to pull aside and spend some time in worship. In the word. And in contemplative silence. Yesterday. I was. I got up from my office, I was walking around, I try to do this about every 45 minutes, just get up from my chair, walk around, and as I do, I pray. And then I, I needed to, to, to go into the restroom, and so I did, and I finished there, and I was walking out of the restroom, and the Spirit of the Lord said to me, go into your closet. Now it's been a long time since I've ever heard the Holy Spirit tell me to go into my closet. My last recollection of going into my closet was as a young teenage boy, 15 and 16 years old, after I had first gotten saved and started walking with the Lord. I read the words of Jesus where he said that we should, rather than being like the hypocrites who say their prayers out in public, you, you go into your closet and pray in secret. So, in the house I lived in at the time, you have to understand, this was 42 years ago. (laughs) our closets had sliding doors on them. They didn't even like open out. They weren't that size even. They were all of from here to the back of that chair. All right. All you could do was hang your clothes in them and then put some shoes on the floor. But bless the Lord, I was going to obey the word of God and climb in there. And I made me a prayer place. I don't know if that's ever contributed to, the, to, to some of the back issues or not, but man I prayed in my closet brother. Now the joy of what I heard yesterday was this. My closet now is as big as a bedroom almost. <laughs> not bragging, I'm just saying. When the Holy Spirit turned me around and said, go into your closet, get on the floor and pray. I said, yes Lord. <laughs> Laid down there on the floor, shut the door, and said nothing for 15 minutes. Thought nothing, said nothing, didn't petition, didn't cry out, didn't pray for you. I just, contemplatively in silence, waited on God. Now if you're getting anything out of this message this morning, part of it's because of that 15 minutes. I promise you. First, you've got to expect God to speak to you in your daily circumstances. Secondly, you've got to spend time listening. Third, declare, establish that God's word is substance and proof and that all that's necessary, it is all that's necessary for you to act on God's word. Put it in your mouth, speak it. Number four. Refuse. Refuse to allow the influence of your senses to rule your obedience to God's word. Decide to lift the word of God above your reasoning. Note that's exactly what Joshua and Caleb had to do. Isn't it interesting that all 12 of them saw exactly the same thing? All 12 of them experienced exactly the same thing in the same place at the same time but they came two of the only two of them came back with a positive report now i am believing better things for new testament believers i'm believing this word is reaching your heart and you're saying this morning I refuse to be like the ten. I'm going to be like the Caleb. I want the Caleb spirit. I want the Joshua spirit on me. We are well able. We are going to go up. I'm going to go up and take number five. Ready? It's a big one. You see the space I allotted for it there. It's great big. Ready? going can take you a while to write it Anna. Jump. <laughs> Jump! 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 Everybody say it. Jump. So you've got to expect. You've got to listen. You've got to declare. You've got to refuse. And at some point, bless the Lord, you've got to jump. Thirty-five years ago, I was working at a photographic laboratory downtown. I would just gotten married. We were getting by on two incomes, trying to get our footing, trying to get in a place where we could move out of maybe a rental, traveling 50 miles to and from church, and the Holy Spirit led me to quit my job. And at that point actually we were living Nina had quit her job isn't that convenient? baby, And she had a baby. What my baby is her baby. So we had both quit our jobs and here's the deal. My pastor told me that if I wanted to come on I could come work for him and be an associate for $500 a month. Do the math. She's not working and she has a baby. I'm leaving my job and we want to get a house. $500 a month, Ed. Have you done the math? Look impossible. Does it look impossible? Does it sound impossible? Does it seem like foolishness? But we had been praying. We had been waiting on God. We heard the Holy Spirit. We had His Word. And He said, take the leap. And we never looked back and we began to we began to prosper and we began to increase. About, is it three and a half, four years ago, Terry? I was the majority owner of an IT company, information technology company that I had started some years ago. Terry and I were at this point working together in this and she had joint ownership with me. The pressure to just get out of that completely and go full-time here at Genesis was just weighing on me. I couldn't serve well. I I, I couldn't bring the Word of God like I needed to. I, I couldn't spend the time in prayer. That I needed to. And once again, I had already quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> and my loving wife reminds me that in her love and support, she had already quit her job again. Did she have another just a little headache. No. But now, Terry will tell you that based on our clientele at the time, uh, by the way, I was making $125 an hour. That's pretty good income is not it? Can you live on 125 an hour? <laughs> All right. So the Lord through a prophet in California calls and says it's time pull the trigger. She didn't know we had been praying about this. Long story short, I pull the trigger, sell the company to a uh, Terry and walk away from it. And we have never looked back. She's never gone to work and we just bought a 4,400 square foot home in December. I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on the Word. I'm, I'm bragging on the fact, look folks if that makes anybody here jealous you just need to come with me and we'll get you a big old honkin infant sized cluster of grapes that we can put in your house. If we have to make it out of plaster of Paris, is that what they call it? Yeah. Plaster of Paris? Yeah. We'll make you a cluster of grapes. We'll even weight the, the little modules so that it's heavy, like 50 pounds. What's God said to you? What's He promised? You are able. And I'm inviting you to stick around a church, a congregation of people that believe. And want to come alongside and believe with you that you are able. Just the two of you. Just the two of you on your instruments right now. Chuck and Josiah, just the two of you. Go ahead, play. Say it with me, if faith isn't required for what you're planning, then your plans fall short of what God has planned for you.